Good day again. Today, we are continuing our series on Ephesians entitled New Humanity, New Life, New Guidelines, and New Relationships. And we are now in chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. And the title of our message is The Believer's Marriage. I invite you to open your Bibles with me and follow along. Let's read our text. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Today, we'll look at the believer's walk as it applies to our most important human relationship. And for those of us who are married, that's our relationship with our spouse. In summary, here is our lesson for today. As the new humanity in Christ, the believer's marriage is to reflect a new kind of relationship characterized by humble submission and sacrificial love for the praise of our Lord and through the power of the Spirit. As a new humanity in Christ, the believer's marriage is to reflect a new kind of relationship characterized by humble submission and sacrificial love for the praise of our Lord and through the power of the Spirit. Let's look at these three things, our resource, our responsibilities, and our reason. The first, our resource. If you've been married for years or even if you're just newlyweds, you would know that it's not easy to be God's kind of husband and it's not easy to be God's kind of wife. It's hard and challenging and it's not something that we can do on our own strength. So with that, let's dig into our passage. Let's go to verse 22. Paul begins by addressing the wives first. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In the original Greek, Verse 22 does not have the verb submit. It just says, wives to your own husbands, as to the Lord. That is why in many Bible, the word submit is usually in italics. So why did they put submit in there? The verb actually came from verse 21. So the literal translation reads, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands, as to the Lord. So the context is about submission. As you can see, verse 21 is the end of a paragraph, so we need to go back up some more to put it in context. Ephesians 5, 18-20 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here Paul contrasts between getting drunk with wine be versus being filled with the Spirit. And as we learned last week, Paul gives us a picture of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And adding to it, he says, if you are filled with the Spirit, you will live out this new kind of relationships found in verse 19 onwards. Thus, submitting to one another is the proof that you are Spirit-filled, that you are being led by the Spirit. And what follows next? Paul then gives three contexts where we can live out submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is the first relationship, wives and husbands. Next is children and parents. And third, slaves and master. And so this teaching applies to the Ephesian church and to all of us today. Husbands, wives, children, parents, servants and workers, all of us are called to submit to one another. But as we will see, this submission will look different for each. Now, what is the main resource that we need to enable us to submit to one another? 
as we've read earlier, it is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who fills us with power and strength so that we can walk the Christian life. And only through Him that we can live out the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, and self-control. Without the Spirit of God in us, we can't be the new humanity that God calls us to be. We cannot be the husband that God calls us to be. And we cannot be the wife that God desires us to be. And so the question is, are you being filled with the Spirit? In the Greek, the verse, be filled, is in the present passive tense. It means it is something that we receive. It is something that we do not actually, partly we work out, but it's actually the Holy Spirit who is the main doer of us being filled. And also, it is in the present tense. It means it's a constant filling of the Spirit. It's a daily yielding of our life to God each day, every moment of our lives. Now, how can you be filled with the Spirit? We are to practice what we've learned in chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. Let's review that. What are we supposed to do? And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, we are to practice the renewing of our mind, the putting off our, of our old self, and the putting on of our new self. Also, the specific way to renew our mind is to what? It's to spend time with God in prayer and reading His Word, as Colossians 3.16 tells us. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting the Lord. Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Actually, Colossians is a parallel passage and similar to Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 33. In both cases, we can see the importance of being filled with the Spirit and particularly having our minds filled with the Word of Christ. And that is why we have this Project Ezra. It is our church Bible reading campaign help each of us be filled with the Spirit each day. Now that we know our resource, let's learn our specific responsibilities. The next responsibilities. We look at the role of the wife. What does it look like to be God's kind of wife? Let's go back to verse 22. Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In Greek, submit is the word hupotasso. Hupo means under and tasso means to arrange or place oneself. Ancient military commonly used this word, where those who rang under a superior officer followed orders to maintain discipline. And imagine what would happen if a soldier did not follow the chain of command. There would be chaos and disorder, and the group will not be able to win a battle. And in non-military use, hupotasso means a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So you see, in the Bible, submission is not a bad word, but sadly, the topic of submission is an often misunderstood concept. So let's try to first clarify some things by answering these questions. To who are wives to submit to and to what extent? To who are wives to submit? God commands that wives are to submit to their own husbands. If you are married, this command applies to you. 
as a wife, you are to submit to your husband, to the one that you have made covenant with and said, I do. Note that this verse did not say, wives, submit to all husbands, but it says, submit to your own husbands. Also, this verse did not say, women, submit to all men. Again, this command only applies to married women. Now, perhaps anticipating that some might react to this command, Paul immediately gave this motivation and reason. Verse 23, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Here, Paul teaches us this truth, that the Christian marriage is the act of worship and witness. Again, the Christian marriage is an act of worship and witness. And this principle applies to both husband and wife, as we shall see in a while. Now, why are wives called to submit to their own husbands? Verse 23 to 24. For, this is the reason, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 23 tells us that God made the husband as the head of the wife. And to make sure that we understand what he means by head, here Paul adds this comparison. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. You see, the husband being the head of his wife is comparable to Christ being the head of the church. And this is what we mean when we say that the Christian marriage is an act of worship and witness. Because everything we do all points to Christ. Now, when wives submit to their husband, two things happen. First, they honor God by acknowledging that their husband is God's appointed head and the ordained leader in the family. Second, the wife displays the relationship between Christ and his bride, which is the church. So, dear wives, reflect on your life. Does your marriage reflect your worship and witness? God help us. Now, let's make this very clear. The command to submit is about order and not about value or status. It's about order and not about value or status. When God commanded the wives to submit to their husbands, God is not saying that men are more important than women. Also, it doesn't mean that women are inferior or have lower status than men. Some wives may have, have more intelligence and even more competence than their husbands. The point is this, that God created men and women with equal value. Look back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It tells us that God created humankind in His image. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Being both made in God's image, men and women have equal status and significance in God's sight. Again, the command to submit is all about order and it is not about value or status. So just imagine what would happen if two presidents run the country or if two CEOs led the same company. There would be chaos and disorder. Now, as Christians, we need to view submission as something beautiful. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ himself modeled submission. When we read about the life of Christ in the gospel, we see that our Lord humbly submitted to the will of the Father in John 6 and Luke 22. For I have come down from heaven, says the Lord, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus is speaking. And again, Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Also, look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. 
but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. You see, despite being equal in power and authority with God, Christ submitted himself to the will of the Father to accomplish God's great plan of redeeming humankind. So, dear wives, this truth is another motivation for you. When you submit to your own husbands, you reflect Christ's humble submission to God. Dear wives, when you submit to your husbands, you reflect Christ's humble submission to God. So may God help us. Now the next question is, to what extent are wives to submit? Ephesians 5.24 tells us, Now as the church submits, that's the word again, hupotaso, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Did you hear that? Just as the church is supposed to submit to Christ, wives should also submit to their husbands. In what? In everything. It doesn't mean in something. It doesn't mean when your husband is just is when, when he's only lovable or respectable. But it says, submit to your husbands in everything. Now, some of you might react and say, Pastor, you don't know my husband. He's nothing like Christ. He's immature. He's stubborn. He's not even a believer. He is proud and arrogant and unloving. Now, if that is your situation, listen to what the Apostle Peter has to say. 1 Peter 3, 1-2 In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husband, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Now, here's the point. As wives, God commands you to submit in everything, whether your husband is a believer or not, whether your husband is loving or not. Now, submitting does not mean allowing yourself to be a doormat or a punching bag and letting your husband abuse you. And if you are being abused, you can seek help from the church and the government regarding your concern. If you have any specific concern about your relationship with your husband, please let us know so that we can help you and pray for you as well. Next, Paul also gives this additional command to the wives in verse 33. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, it's possible to submit without respect. You can submit outwardly, but you are rebelling internally in your heart. In Greek, the word respect is phobeo, where we got the word phobia. Phobeo means fear or reverence. And Paul used the exact word in Colossians 3. Listen to this. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. In other words, wives, fear your husband as you fear the Lord. Why? Because your husband is God's ordained leader in your family. So wives, if you dishonor your husband, you dishonor God. And this truth is what Paul highlighted in his letter to Titus. Titus 2, 3-5. Older women are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and what? Submissive to their own husbands. And why is this important? That the word of God may not be reviled. In other translation, it says so that they will not bring shame to the word of God and that the word of God will not be dishonored. Again, dear wives, one way you can bring honor to God and His word is by being submissive 
to your husbands. Now, perhaps for some of you, this issue about submission is heavy stuff and you disagree entirely. But I'm sorry to say this. I'm only telling you what God is saying in His Word. I'm only His mouthpiece who delivers His message to His people. Now, perhaps some of you are afraid to submit for good reasons. You may say, I'm afraid to submit to my husband. What if he makes a bad decision? What if his idea fails and our family gets into trouble? That could be good reasons. If that is your concern, then that is where the body of Christ comes in. If you and your husband are both Christians, the church can help you by equipping both of you to improve your relationship and counsel both of you to make wise decisions. And if you are the only believer in your family and your husband is not, the church can also help you and your husband for your husband to know God and then live a life of faith and walk in wisdom. And if you are interested to learn more about how to have a family that honors God and experiences blessing in your relationships, I invite you to join our upcoming event this February 5. Joy in the family starts with me. Please check our announcements for more details. Going back to our passage, ultimately, obeying God's command to submit is a step of faith. As the Apostle Peter said, For this is how the holy women who hope in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Abraham is considered the father of faith, and Sarah is the mother of faith through her submission. The question is, will you be like Sarah? Will you trust God as you humbly submit to your husband? Will you obey and walk by faith, or will you disobey because of your fear? Dear wives and sisters in the Lord, I encourage you, take God at His word and walk by faith. And as the body of Christ, we are here to help you in this journey. So may God help us. Now let's further reflect on what God says about this command. Just think about it. Why did God, through the Apostle Paul, commanded the wives to submit to their husband? And later on, God commanded for the husband is to love the wife and sacrifice for their wives. Why? Because that is connected to what God said in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve fell into sin, God pronounced his judgment to humankind. Then he, God, said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control, or your desire will be contrary or against your husband, but he will rule over you. Before the fall, the marriage relationship within husband and wife is loving and harmonious. But sin wrecked everything. Sin brought chaos and ruined God's designed order. Instead of harmony, there is now hostility. Instead of the wife submitting to her husband, the wife now desires to control and be her husband's head. And instead of the husband loving his wife, he now lords it over her. At the same time, instead of both man and wife submitting to God, both now rebel against God. This disorder was the result of sin. But praise be to God, through Jesus Christ, God redeemed us. He makes us into a new humanity and gives us the capacity to live out a new kind of relationship. Through Christ, God is restoring what was lost in the fall. And through the Holy Spirit, we can now experience the power of the gospel to reverse the curse of our sin in our marriages and relationships. And this salvation is by the grace and mercy of God. And so, before we go to the role of the husband, let me give this real-life application for wives for you to consider. Wives, 
humbly submit to your husbands. How? First, say yes to your husbands as much as possible. Say yes to him as much as possible unless it is a sin issue. Next, share your thoughts, ideas, and opinions when deciding, but let your husband make the final choice. And once the decision is made, it's already final, and whatever the result, face the consequence together because you are already one. And so there should be no blaming afterward. The third, support and encourage your husband. Remember, as a wife, you are God's helpmate to your husband. Yes, God appointed him as the head and the leader of the family, but he cannot do it alone. Your husband needs your support and encouragement. And fourth, stand in the gap and pray for your husband. Pray for your husband before making a decision during and after. Pray together. Pray that your husband would also know God and fear the Lord. Also, pray that he would grow in wisdom and find godly men who would help him become more and more like Christ. Next responsibility, what does it look like to be God's kind of husband? Let's take a closer look at the role of the husbands. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives. There's only a single command here. Husbands, love your wives. Note that the command does not say dominate your wife or control your wife. You see, authority must be balanced with affection. You will have a tyrant if all of it is authority and there's no affection. During Paul's time, Roman people have this custom of giving unlimited power to the head of the family. And so husbands back then did not treat their wives with love and respect. So this command for husbands to love and sacrifice for their wives is a radical concept and idea. Now the command to love your wife is in the present active tense. It means it's a constant, ongoing, and intentional showing of love. And the Greek verb for love here is the verb agapao, which describes the most intense, sacrificial, and humble kind of love. And who is our model? Our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This agape love is the kind of love that Christ has for us, his church. Remember, Jesus did not love us because we are lovable, nor did he save us because we deserve it. In fact, the opposite is true for all of us. Jesus loved us while we were sinners and dead in our transgressions, and Christ sacrificed for us even when we were disobedient and destined for wrath. Again, the Christian marriage is an act of worship and witness. So, dear husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Why? Because when you do, you imitate Christ by following his example and putting him on display. Husband, love your wives sacrificially as Christ did. Now, how should husbands love their wives? Paul gives us three ways. First, as mentioned, it is a sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Remember your wedding day when you made a covenant and said, all those beautiful promises of love and sacrifice for your wife, and now it's time to fulfill them. Husband, it's now time to fulfill your promise to your bride. And as husbands, it's easy for us to say, I will give my life for my wife. If that's your heart, praise God. I commend you for that. 
But how about making some more of the minor sacrifices for your wife? If you don't know where to start, ask your spouse. And later, I will give you some suggestions so how you can apply this principle of sacrificing for your wife. Next, a husband's love should be also a sanctifying love. Verses 25 to 27. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. It's amazing that Christ's commitment to us, his church, did not end with his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Christ is also committed to our spiritual growth and holiness. Let me repeat that. Christ is also committed to our spiritual growth and holiness. In other words, Christ is committed to maturing us and making us more and more like him. In the same way, husbands, we are to love our wives by also being committed to their holiness and spiritual maturity. Help your wife grow in the Lord and become all that God has called her to be. It could mean bringing her to the church, encouraging her to use her, her spiritual gifts. It could also be watching over your children for a time so that he can have her quiet time and devotion with the Lord or that she could attend her life group or journey group. The point is you help her and sacrifice for her so that she can become more and more like Christ. Another way is to show sanctifying love by making it easier for her to submit to you, by loving her in your words, actions, attitudes, and behavior. Now here's the point. Husband, it's your responsibility to help your wife grow and mature to be more like Christ. But here is the key. To help your wife grow, you need to grow first yourself. To help her grow, you need to grow first yourself. So dear husbands, Think about your relationship with your wife. Are you helping your wife to grow more in holiness and Christ-likeness? Or are you causing her to stumble in sin through your words, attitudes, and behavior? Husbands, are you making it easier for your wives to submit to you? Or are you making things more difficult for her? May God help us. The third, a husband's love should be a sustaining love. A sustaining love. Verses 28 to 29. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Husbands, God calls us to love our wives that sustain, nourish, and cherish her. To nourish means supporting and strengthening, bringing life, growth, and wellness. And to cherish means literally to make warm or to treat with tenderness and affection. And why are we to love and take care of our wife? The following verses give us these two reasons. Verse 28 to 30, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, because we are members of his own body. The first reason, because the Lord takes care of his bride, the church. So Christ himself is our model. That's the first reason. The next reason, because husbands, we are already one, with our wives. Ephesians 5.31 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So husbands, love and sacrifice for your wives because you are already one. When you take care of her, you are also taking care of yourself. When you sacrifice for your wife, you are doing it also for your own good. So may God help us. 
And here is an interesting note. Paul used only four verses to address the wives and to command them to submit to their husband. But in addressing the husbands to love their wives, Paul used a total of nine verses, twice as long. Also, Paul repeated his call for husbands to love their wives four times. Note these passages. Husbands, love your wives in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. So why do you think Paul repeated it over and over? I guess to make sure that we husbands get it and not miss the point. Now before we go to our last point, let me give these real-life applications for husbands to consider. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. How? The first is, care and show concern. Anticipate and attend to the needs of your wife, physically and financially. Next, counsel her with God's word. Help your wife grow spiritually by teaching her scripture and how to apply it. And if needed, help her deal with an area of sin in her life and help her put off that sin. The third, connect with your wife. Meet the needs of your wife emotionally and relationally. And closely related to that connection is communication. Communicate. Have a heart-to-heart talk with each other. Ask more. Listen well. Verbally express your appreciation to her. Let her share what excites her. Also, ask your wife about her goals and dreams. Also, ask her about her worries and concerns. And the fifth, carry her burdens. Carry her burdens. Ask your wife, Honey, how can I help you with your concern? Or dear, what can I do to lessen your worry? Agree on what you could do to help her and then do your best to fulfill it. Dear husbands, with God's help, take that small step to show love to your wife and sacrifice for her. Now let us remember our lesson today. As the new humanity in Christ, the believer's marriage is to reflect a new kind of relationship characterized by humble submission and sacrificial love for the praise of our Lord and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to our last point, our reason. Our reason. When you read through Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, it's easy to just think, oh, I want to have that good marriage, so I'd better to obey this command. That's an excellent goal to aim for. But as Christians, just having a good marriage should not be our primary reason for obeying these commands. Why? Because our reason to obey and desire to have good marriage should be God-centered. As we've learned earlier, the Christian marriage is an act of worship and witness. Look again at this verse, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You want to please Christ and so you want to be God's kind of wife and husband. Now this God-centered motivation echoes throughout the book of Ephesians. God calls us to submit to one another because He wants us to walk in the Spirit. God commands us to walk in the Spirit because He calls us to walk differently from the world. And God wants us to walk differently because He calls us to walk worthy of the calling He has given us. And what is that calling? From being God's enemies, we became God's people and part of His new humanity. And not only that, God adopted us as His children, made us heirs, and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, why did God do all these things? 
For what reason? It is actually for His praise and glory. And three times Paul repeated this truth in chapter 1. Just as He, God the Father, chose us in Him to the praise of the glory of His grace, in Him, Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance to the praise of His glory, and you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise to the praise of His glory. So, dear brothers and sisters, this is the heart of God. God desires that you and I live for His glory because it is ultimately for our good. God desires that you and I live for His glory because it is ultimately for our good. And one specific step to do is to humbly submit and then to love sacrificially. Friends, this principle applies to all of us, whether you're married or single. If you are single, here is a question for you. Do you humbly submit to God? And do you love others sacrificially as Christ did? And if you are married, do you humbly submit to your husband as to the Lord? And do you love your wife sacrificially as Christ did? May God help us. Again, let's go back to the topic of marriage. Marriage is not just between a husband and wife, but God designs our marriage to put him on display. To put him on display. And that is part of the good works that God has prepared for us according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this truth is the profound mystery that we are to show the world. Ephesians 5.31-32 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You see, our marriage is meant to visualize and paint a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And a God-honoring marriage is one of the best gospel messages that we could ever proclaim to the people around us. Now, here is the question for us. Does your marriage relationship reflect your worship and devotion to God? Do you point people to see Christ and His church with how you relate with your spouse? May God help us. Now, let's review and summarize what we've covered today as we close. To live out the Christian marriage, we have our resources, responsibilities, and reason. For our resource, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to submit to one another. Be filled with the Spirit by the renewing of your mind with God's Word. Also, practice putting off your old self and putting on your new self. Next, in terms of our responsibilities, wives, humbly submit to your husband as you would submit to God. Because when you humbly submit to your husbands, you honor Christ by reflecting Him. And wives can humbly submit to their husbands by doing the following. Say yes to your husband as much as possible. Share your thoughts, ideas, and opinions when deciding, but let your husband make the final choice. Support and encourage your husband. Stand in the gap and pray for your husband. Next, in terms of the husband's role, our responsibility is to love our wives sacrificially as Christ did for his bride, the church. Because when you love sacrificially, you imitate Christ by following his example and putting God on display. Now, husbands, you can express your love and sacrifice through the following. Care and show concern to your wife by anticipating her physical needs and financial needs. Counsel her with the word of God. Give her spiritual guidance and leadership. Connect with your wife emotionally and relationally. Communicate with her and then carry 
her burdens. And for our reason, the Christian marriage is an act of worship and witness. And ultimately, God desires that our marriage glorifies Him and put Him on display. So, dear friends, let us remember, as the new humanity in Christ, the believer's marriage is to reflect the new kind of relationship characterized by humble submission and sacrificial love for the praise of our Lord through the power of the Spirit. As the new humanity in Christ, the believer's marriage is to reflect a new kind of relationship characterized by humble submission and sacrificial love for the praise of our Lord and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for reminding us of your message of your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we can become your people, we can become your church, we can become your bride. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. Thank you, Lord, that despite you being equal with God, that you humbled yourself so that you can redeem us. And we are so grateful. And we really cannot grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is your love for us. Thank you, Lord. Father, help us to be like Christ. Enable us, O oh God, to surrender to you, to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, forgive us for many times that we have focused on ourselves, for our pride, for our own um, benefit. We only love ourselves and we fail to love you. Love others, especially we fail to love our husbands. We fail to love our wives. Father, we come before you once more asking for your forgiveness. Help us to return to you. Embrace us once more and empower us, O God, to live a life that you have called us. Give us strength through your Holy Spirit and help us to love our spouse as we focus on you, to honor you and glorify your name. Thank you, Lord. Father, enable us to, as we relate to each other, empower us with your Spirit. It's so difficult to live a life without you, to live a life, Lord God, of doing things on our own. So empower us with your Spirit. Renew our minds with your word. Empower us, O God, to put off our old self and put on the new self and to live with the fruit of the Spirit, O God. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we commit to you our own families. For those of us, Lord God, who are who have broken relationships, help us to reconcile. Help us, Lord God, to, to rebuild and to restore what was lost. And through your word, O God, enable us to strengthen our marriages, strengthen our relationship, deepen our oneness with our husband, with our wife, and help us, Lord God, to really put you on display so that the world will see who you are through our marriage relationship. Thank you so much for this privilege, for this calling that you've given us. May you find us faithful. Father, we pray for those of us who are wearied and tired. Help us, Lord God, to endure, to focus on you, strengthen us, O God, and not to give up, Lord, but to put our trust and hope in you alone. Father, enable us to love others as Christ loved us. And we pray for those of us who are sick, those of us who are going through struggles. Grant us your healing grace. Make us whole, O God. Help us, Lord God, to experience your wholeness and healing. We pray for those of us who are struggling financially. Provide for our needs. Give us our daily bread. Our eyes look to you, O God, and provide, Lord God. Um, we acknowledge that you are our source and provide the different resources that we need so that uh, 
we can be a blessing to others as well and not just to, to our own families. We pray, O oh God, for our leaders. Help us, Lord, to work together as one country, as one people, to, to overcome this pandemic. Help us to sense where you are leading us. But more importantly, help us, Lord God, not to live in despair, but to, to see things beyond um, what is present, O oh God, and what is just around us. To see, see things, Lord God, in, with the spiritual eyes, open our hearts and minds to see the greater things that you are doing, Lord God. And Father, help us to really follow you wholeheartedly. Again, to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith and not live in fear. Thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Help us to apply these things in our lives. Help us to teach what we've learned to our children. But more importantly, to, sh to, to tell it, Lord God, through our words and action as we love our wives, as we love our husbands. And help us, Lord God, to be salt and light to all people around us for the honor and glory of your name alone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, and we commit to you this day all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.